All right, so uh, yeah, so this is not a hot tub, um, although it is pretty hot. Um, it's what's, uh, it's called a portable baptistry, and there's actually, you know, when we were setting it up yesterday morning, telling people, believe it or not, there is an actual company that all they do is sell these portable baptistries, so it's kind of like giant Lego pieces that come together, and then foam gets around it, a liner goes over it, and you fill it up, and then this uh, heater goes into it and, and circulates water. Uh, it increases about one degree uh, per hour, so we did it yesterday morning about 10 or 11 o'clock, and uh, when I checked this morning, uh, you guys over here be very happy to know, 95 degrees. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Um, and uh, it's a special moment. This is one of those milestone moments uh, in faith, uh, not only for those who are going to be baptized, but um, as a church family together, this is one of the most special moments to, to celebrate. And, uh, and so, um, so I want to just take a few moments, like I said, um, to talk about what's going on here, and uh, to talk about um, three questions, the, uh, the what, the why, and the when um, of baptism. So, uh, so, so let me just start up by talking about uh, the what. What is this? And, and more specifically, what is the meaning um, of this baptismal ceremony? It's a, it's, it's a, it's a milestone moment, and um, just to do a little bit of word uh, analogies, uh, the, the Greek word for baptism or baptize is, it means to dip something into something else, to submerge something. So um, in ancient times, when a ship would sink, um, if it sink in the water, they'd say that that boat, baptizos, uh, was baptized in the morning uh, in, into the water. Um, also, if, uh, if you had a piece of material and you dyed it in a certain color, uh, the same thing, they would say you would baptize it into the dye and it would come out uh, a different color. And so that's the original meaning of the word. Believe it or not, that word baptism, we only hear it in religious connotations today, but originally it wasn't um, a religious word. It didn't have religious connotations up until the first century. And, and it became a part of the, uh, the, the initiation process that Gentiles who were becoming Jews, uh, converting to Judaism, professing their allegiance to Yahweh um, would be baptized, or what they called it was a ceremonial cleaning. It was based on Ezekiel 36, 25, and it says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. And so this was uh, originally for those professing faith in the God, Yahweh, of the Jews uh, with this public announcement of a new start, um, their intention to, to, to wash their lives clean of that former way of life, of, of following idols and pagan gods, and, and proclaim their allegiance uh, to Yahweh exclusively. So it's in that setting that in the first century, this guy called John the Baptist came onto the scene. And when John came onto the scene, instead of baptizing Gentiles um, who were becoming Jews, John did something different. He actually called Jews into a baptism of repentance uh, for the forgiveness of sins. So his message at that time was that God's chosen people, 
uh, the Jews, they themselves were no longer living a life of obedience to their God. They needed a wholesale transformation, a life, tra- a life change that, that was as needed for them as those who were far apart from God did. And so those who he called to repentance, uh, they responded, and, 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 and John baptized them in a baptism of repentance. Now that word repentance, if you're not familiar with it, just basically means a turnaround, uh, to, to go 180 degrees to do a U-turn. And so baptism, um, for John the Baptist, it was a way for people to publicly declare their intention to turn away from a life of sin and to rededicate their lives to Yahweh. And so John's doing this, people are responding in droves and, and, and he's sort of like a first century rock star. People came from all over to respond to his message of repentance and be baptized, but he kept on reminding them that he was just the opening act, uh, that one would come who would baptize, not with water, but with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and this one was coming. And it's, it's in that context that Jesus comes onto the scene, and he gives us the very first snapshot of what Christian baptism looks like. So we can open up to Matthew 3, uh, verses 13 to 17, and it sets the scene here. And uh, I think we have it up here. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. All right, so this is a, this is a defining moment. This marks the start of Jesus' uh, ministry. And, and what we see here is that that act, Jesus' baptism, it was an act of obedience. It was him doing what his father called him to do. And we see here how the heavenly father was present for it. it says, this is my son whom I am well pleased. And, and so as a, t- as a t- kind of like setting the die um, for us, we who are Christ followers, at the most basic level, baptism is an act of obedience, just like it was for Jesus. And it's, and it's worth pointing out here that Jesus doesn't call us to do anything uh, that he hasn't already done himself. And so as he was baptized out of obedience to his father, he calls us um, to obey him as well. And we see that at the very end of Matthew's gospel. Jesus' final instructions that he left his followers with was to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That's, what it's, that's how ba- disciples are made, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So that's what's called the Great Commission, that, that Jesus' first followers were going to build up this worldwide movement of disciples who would follow him. And baptism was that first step of following him, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's this public way of demonstrating, I intend to trust in 
to follow to align my life around Jesus. And so that first act of obedience, uh, once someone professes faith in Christ, is to take that step into the waters of baptism. Okay, so that's a very quick look at what baptism is. That's, that's the what. So uh, just moving on to a second question. The second question would be why. Uh, why should I be baptized? And that question in particular is going to get to the question of what exactly does baptism accomplish? Um, you know, in every tradition of Christianity, the baptism is viewed as a very significant moment, a, a sacred moment even. Some traditions will call it a, a sacrament, that, uh, that it's a unique moment within which God is present in a special way. So the question, um, is it more than just a sacred moment? Um, some traditions hold it to be actually a saving moment as well. And so that's kind of the question we're looking at. Does the act of baptism, does someone coming up, going into the water and coming out, does that in and of itself bestow some kind of saving grace? Does it open up the doors to heaven and qualify someone to, to be made right with God? And, and you know, some, some traditions answer that question with a, with a yes. And, and that's, that's the reason why oftentimes you see parents in such a hurry to have their babies I think they call it christened, right? It's, it comes from this belief that, um, that the act of, of, of baptism does something. It cleanses um, that child from sin. So looking at that, uh, we open up the word of God to see what the Bible says. And, and what we see here very clearly is that when it comes to this issue of salvation, right, this most important issue, uh, the Bible is emphatically clear that First, number one, salvation is a personal choice that, that you make. It's not a choice that others make for you, uh, number one. And number two, the Bible's also clear that salvation is a free gift that's received not because you've, you've been baptized or because you've received communion or because you've gone through some kind of ritual or you've done enough good deeds or you've come to church enough times, but it's received by faith, that's, that's the beauty of the Christian faith. Uh, the salvation is, is it's, it's received by trusting personally in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross, full stop. Uh, so Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. That's the beauty of salvation. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Jesus did everything that had to be done on the cross. That's where our salvation was won, when his blood was shed. And, and that means that there's nothing left for us to do to add to it than, other than to receive it by believing him, by trusting in his finished work and what he did on the cross. And so if I were to sum it up, you could say it like this. When it comes to salvation, blood is thicker than water, right? The, the waters of baptism mean something, 
but it's the blood of Christ that cleanses us from sin and opens up heaven's gates for us. Um, that's what washes away our sin, and that's something that uh, it's so critical to get that clear, to be, have, to be um, understood about that. We say it here oftentimes is that when it comes to salvation, it's received, not achieved, or it's achieved because of Jesus, and it's received by us. So maybe we just camp out on that just a little bit. Um, Jesus is the sinless son of God. He offered himself to God in a way that no one else before or after that time has ever been able to. Hebrews uh, says this, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So the Bible teaches that once we're covered by the blood of Jesus, by trusting in what he did on the cross, we have everything we need. We're cleansed from all our sin. That means sin in the present, sin in the past, and sin in the future. And we're able to say what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's the passing from death unto life. And, and this is the wonderful, simple message of the gospel. Salvation is not about being baptized. It's not about being a good person. It's not about doing good works. It's about Jesus dying in our place. He's the one who qualifies us for heaven. And, and God will lovingly and willingly receive and forgive anyone who through faith trusts in him. And so one example um, is uh, the thief hanging on the cross next to Jesus, if you know that story, if you remember that account, when, when Jesus, after he demonstrated saving faith in Jesus, um, Jesus said, uh, today you will be with me in paradise. Uh, he didn't say, you know what, I'm glad you've trusted in me. Too bad we didn't have the chance to baptize you because you're hanging on the cross next to me. You're out of luck. Um, it was simple faith in Jesus. It was enough for him and the beautiful message of the gospel that it's enough for all of us, no matter what we've done, no matter what our past looks like. Uh, so putting that in context, what is this then? We, we don't see baptism as a saving act. We view it as a symbolic act, uh, an outward symbol of an inward reality that's already taken shape. Now, let me say this, by calling it a symbol, I do not mean to diminish the significance of baptism because symbols matter, right? Um, that's the reason why I wear this wedding ring on my finger. This, is, this, this ring, just to clarify, this is not what makes me married right? I can take this ring off and I'm still married, but does that mean that it's not important then? No. This is, this is what identifies me publicly as belonging to Diane, and I wear this proudly because that symbol is powerful and it matters. And so there is a significance to symbols. And in the same way, this, this baptism ceremony is a symbol and it symbolizes, it pictures, it's a snapshot of the saving work of Jesus Christ 
that we're identified with. So let me, let me, sh- let me share Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. This gives us the snapshot of what uh, this sacrament symbolizes. It says this, Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we, may, we too may live a new life. And when it's talking about baptism there, it's talking about that immersion, not, not just the, the symbolic act, but the immersion of our lives being emerged with Christ. And so that imagery is profound that, that God immerses our life with Jesus in such a deep and a mysterious way that we can say that what happened to him gets applied to me. So when Jesus died on the cross, there was a part of me that died there with him. That old me, the one who, who lived to please myself, the one that was enslaved to sin, that, that guy is dead and buried. He no longer has a heartbeat. And there's a brand new me that rises up out of the water, uh, just like Jesus rose out of the grave. And this new me is, has a whole new identity. It's bound up together with Jesus. This new me lives to please God, just like Jesus does. And, and that is the defining feature of life. That is my identity. That's the identity of every Christ follower. And growing in the Lord is really about understanding how do we live out this identity of who we are in Christ, as opposed to how many people who are just wrestling with religion um, go about it, which is, what do I need to do to make sure I'm still okay with God? What do I need to do to make sure I'm on his good side? That's all been settled. Now we're just living out this, this new reality. And so baptism is a snapshot of that because the person's going to come in one end. Uh, they're going to get dunked in the water for just a second, not long, uh, come back up. And that's symbolic of that. That's the old you pre-Jesus. And then uh, just like Jesus was buried, you, that old you is buried. And the person who comes up is it's a brand new identity a whole new person. We're able to say with Paul, what he said in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, uh, so that's the symbol um, and it's a powerful one. And by the way, that is the reason why we go through all of the trouble. And believe me, it's a lot of trouble setting up this tank, filling it with water. Our well runs out of water. We can't, we can't even flush the toilets when we're filling this up. Um, but, uh, but, but we want to do this because it's such a powerful metaphor. That's why we go for the dunk and, and not the dribble. You know, some churches, it's just kind of like, let me get a you know, sprinkling can and we'll sprinkle over you, but we go for the dunk because it's this beautiful picture of what it means to be baptized, to be immersed with, to be, to be fused together at the deepest part of who we are with, with Jesus. And it illustrates how what happened to him gets applied to our lives. So let me also say that uh, this symbol also means something. It's just like, it's just like, you know, kind of like a wedding ceremony, um, 
and, and you do realize, those of you who are married, I hope that the wedding ceremony is not the end, right? It's the beginning. And so uh, just like that baptism, it's not like, okay, let me do this, check mark off of the box, now let me go on with the rest of my life. This is the start of this, this new relationship with the Lord that's there to be cultivated and built up and grown. Um, it's a beautiful thing. So baptism, it's a sacred moment, uh, not a saving moment, but it's this public demonstration where people are going to come up here and just announce their intention to follow Jesus, their faith in God's Son. And we trust that as they do that, that just like God the Father was there bearing witness when Jesus was baptized, giving his approval, that he's doing the same thing here, saying, this is my child. In him, with her, I am well pleased. And I pray that you feel that impressed deeply into your hearts this morning. So that's a look at the what, a look at the why. Last question I want to look at is, is the when. Uh, when should someone be baptized? And uh, there's, there's two different opinions. Um, one is uh, after you're born, um, which is known as a christening, or the second option is after you're born again, uh, which means that after you've placed saving faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your, as your Lord and Savior. So we base what we do here as much as possible off of the Word of God and, and, and use that as the defining mark through which we do our ministry. And the pattern in the Bible um, is that baptism always follows belief. And, and just to be clear, it's not once ever found the other way around. Never do you see someone being baptized first and then believing second. Uh, it's always that baptism follows belief. Just a couple of examples from the book of Acts. It says in Acts 8.12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Uh, Acts 16, it says they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, then immediately him and his family were baptized. And so that's the pattern we follow here because it's the pattern we find in scripture. And so many people, one of the questions is, is um, I, I was baptized as an infant, what do I do? Uh, the question I would ask is, if you were, um, is what do you remember about it? And the answer every time is nothing. And that's, that's the problem. You see, if it's, if it's not voluntary, if it's not something you've chosen, it's also not something you can own. And, and baptism is a way of saying, I'm taking ownership of my faith. Um, and so it means coming to this place where, where you're ready to make your faith your own. And uh, that's what those who are here getting ready to be baptized this morning have affirmed. So they're not doing it because uh, they like to get wet in November. Uh, not many people do. Um, they're, they're not doing it to check some kind of religious box. Uh, they're not doing it 
uh, because their parents want them to, um, or because their friends are doing it. Those are no, none of those are valid reasons to get baptized. They're doing it because they're ready to take that next step of faith and go public with their intention to follow Jesus. And so uh, if I were to say, what is next? What happens after this? If it's not the end, it's the beginning. I would want to uh, just challenge those of you who are getting baptized. Where do you go from here and take you to uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1? And uh, it says, make every effort to add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, hang on, I've memorized this, and I was going to try to recite it without looking at my Bible. Uh, But here I am up here. So uh, make every effort to um, add to your faith virtue and to virtue, I'm forgetting the second one. This is what happens when you, when you come up here and you don't, I've been working on this all week long, I'm serious. <laughs> Praying this for you guys and thinking this through and here I am. Um, uh, knowledge. <laughs> Make every effort. <laughs> To add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control steadfastness and to steadfastness godliness and to godliness brotherly affection and to brotherly affection love. There's, There's some building blocks there. And I love what it says after that. For if you do that, it will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God has uh, an incredible adventure for those who do life with him. And uh, we just have the opportunity to grow every day uh, in that relationship with him. And so being up here, going through this, it doesn't mean, you know what, I've got it all figured out. I've had all of my questions answered. None of us do. Um, But it does mean that you've come to this point where you know Jesus is real and you understand what he did on the cross for you and you know he's calling you to live for him, to put him first and do life with Jesus in the lead. Uh, So maybe for those of you who are listening and and we're unpacking this whole thing, maybe there is a next step for you and, and, and the first question I'd ask is, have you trusted in Jesus? If the answer is no, then that's the next step. Place your faith in Jesus. If the answer is yes, and you haven't been baptized yet, then, then maybe you're ready for that next step. Uh, take that next step and be baptized. Acts chapter eight uh, tells the story of uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and and Philip shares the gospel with this guy. He had no clue who Jesus was or anything about what he did, and and he leads him to Christ. And and the very first thing this guy asks is, is, hey, look, here's some water. There must have been a river there. And and he says, why shouldn't I be baptized? And he says, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And so let me end by asking you that same question. Why shouldn't you be baptized? We're, we're, we're starting to plan out uh, our next round of baptisms that uh, will be in the spring. And so if you are a Christ follower who's placed your faith in Jesus, why shouldn't you be baptized? Are you ready to take that next step and go public? 
uh, really excited that uh, we've got a few people here this morning who are, and uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to have the worship team come back up and just take a moment to transition um, from this part to uh, inside this uh, water here. So let's just pray now. Lord.